Hello and welcome to this episode of Unplugged, a place for parents to listen in on unfiltered conversations covering holistic and heart-centered approaches to raising kids and education. My name is Stephanie Wicker. I am the creator of Simply Kids. I'm also a speaker, an author, an educator, and a coach. I am so excited to be sharing this amazing content with you today. So let's dive in. All right, good evening, everyone. So I am so excited to have you joining me tonight. I am Stephanie Wicker from Simply Kids, and this is our very first episode of Simply Kids Unplugged. And tonight, joining us is Allison Davies. And I am just thrilled to have Allison here tonight. So Allison is a neurologic music therapist. She's also a brain care specialist. So Allison is really passionate about brain development, which is something that we have in common. That's actually the way that we first met was a conversation about executive functioning skills. So for me, like to be able to nerd out about the brain with somebody else feels really good. So I'm really excited to have a kindred spirit as our very first interview tonight. Um, so I do, while we're waiting for people to hop on, I do want to share a little bit about Simply Kids Unplugged. So for those of you who don't know me, I know that we have a lot of new faces in the group and you might not be familiar with who I am. I'm the creator of Simply Kids. I am also a speaker, an author, an educator, and a coach. Um, and I support families and other educators who are struggling with those big, bubbly, early childhood behaviors. And I help them by simplifying why these behaviors are happening and exactly what we can do to fully support our kids. So often when we don't know why something's happening, it becomes a lot harder to deal with. Everything becomes more overwhelming. Everything becomes more reactive. So my goal is just to simplify that process of why behavior is happening in the first place. Now, that's not what we're talking about tonight. What we are talking about tonight is a topic that Allison, I know, is crazy about. Um, we are talking about anxiety. So for the last week, I have been collecting questions from all of you. Hello, hello. I see we have some people on. Very excited. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, so I have been collecting some questions for Allison, and I said we could talk about anxiety. We could talk about meltdowns and we could talk about sensory processing. Now, of course, we can't possibly cover all of those amazing topics in one go. So what we're gonna do instead is because all the questions, except for one, <laughs> Gabby, all the other questions are around anxiety. So that is what we will be focusing on tonight. Um, and please stick around because we have a giveaway for everyone who shared a question this coming week, getting us ready for tonight. Um, and we also have a freebie coming from Allison. Allison, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. Um, there's just a few things that I wanted to get out there before we started. So Allison, I think what I'd like to do is start with the most obvious question. If you can just begin by telling us as condensed as possible, what is anxiety? Okay, what are we talking about tonight? Okay, so I tend to think of anxiety as two separate ball games, right? One of them we talk about all the time, and that's the stuff that goes on in the mind, like all the thoughts, the fears, the, oh, I don't know if I should try this because, oh, I don't want to leave mum at school because, or I don't want to do this because, and overthinking and da, 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 and all the head and all the thinking and all the talking. That's what we think of as anxiety and that's what most of us are picturing when we're talking about anxiety. But there's also a 
physiological experience of anxiety and it's just as valid and it's anxiety and it doesn't get talked about. Um, mm. And that is uh, the increased heart rate, the increased respiratory rate, the tension in the posture and the neck, um, the jumpiness, the being on edge, um, alert, sort of what we would call survival mode. So someone walks in the room unexpectedly and slams the door and you jump and you're like, wah, and then, you know, the mood, the temper happens quickly and all of those kinds of things. That physiological experience is the physiological experience of anxiety. So you yeah. can be experiencing that survival mode or experiencing that without having all the mind talk and all the, I don't want to do this, I'm not sure, I don't know, I'm scared, and all of those overwhelming thoughts about yourself. Um, so in a nutshell, <laughs> I know, a big question. <laughs> I never do anything in a nutshell. Um, in a nutshell, I would say that anxiety is a physiologic, an experience that we have in our body that comes from a brain that isn't coping with something. And it can cause mind talk and all of that overwhelm as well. But largely it's a physiological experience. Yes. And I love this. This is something that I talk a lot. Uh, I talk about a lot in my coaching group. I also talk a lot in here about this. And that is when the brain experiences something that it's not expecting, especially um, that can lead to that big emotional reaction in the brain. And that's when that primal reactive state just kicks in and takes over and starts making a lot of our decisions. And it actually takes intention to be like, er, find those breaks, slow down a little bit. However, as adults, we're able to kind of, we can come out of it, we can think of, you know, coping strategies, we can think of calming strategies, and we can kind of talk our way back to reality, and we can reason our way out of it. Not always, <laughs> but, but most of the time as adults, we're able to do that. But as children, because they're, especially their prefrontal cortex, because compared to ours, it's so underdeveloped, that means that they have a much harder time recouping from that state. So um, I guess that leads me to my next question for you is if someone comes to you and says, I think my child has anxiety, what is the difference, okay, between anxiety and a child having age appropriate struggles with emotional regulation? Oh, it's a good question. I would say that an age-appropriate response to, to experiencing emotional dysregulation, that in, in most cases an anxious, hang on, the anxiety response is age-appropriate. And okay. I would, in, a, in a lot of cases, I'm not talking about prolonged anxiety, but I'm talking about how it is normal for our body to experience anxiety. If we didn't experience anxiety, then, then our life would be in danger because anxiety mm. is what alerts us to risk and to something new and to something unpredictable. So we need to experience that. Um, and we we start experiencing that from the beginning. I mean, our brain, um, I, okay, I'll try not to get too sciencey, but no. <laughs> your amygdala, which is that tiny little bit right inside the middle of the brain, which is your, your bodyguard, like at the slightest hint of danger, it is up, rearing its sword, and it's ready to protect you, and it has you on high alert. And that can be from the most, the tiniest incident. Like I said, someone's opened the door. 
um, and you weren't expecting it and bang, amygdala's on and you are experiencing anxiety and that happens right from the very beginning. So I would say that that experience is part of our human condition. So if your child experiences bouts of anxiety, jumpiness, fight, flight, survival mode, then it's age appropriate. Mm. But if it if it becomes or if it's if you are observing your child to not be able to regulate their emotions at all, or if your instinct, because I'm big on parent and carer instinct, mm. you know yeah. a child and you get that gut feel. Mm. Um, I tend to I tend to think of it as thinking from my womb <laughs> more than my Ooh. gut because yeah. I the mothering instinct comes in. I try not to think with my brain. I try not to think with my gut. I'm like, what is my womb telling me? That might be a bit woo-woo. For me, it works. And and then I really, I, I really instinctively know, no, this is a bit more than a normal anxious response. Or no, you know, I think this is just a normal response to the first week at school. Um, so in a nutshell. <laughs> I'd say that some experiences of anxiety are absolutely normal. You will instinctively recognise when their inability to regulate their emotions becomes more than what you would yes. think should be the case. Does that answer the question? It does. No, it definitely does. And what I was yeah. thinking is because I'm coming to this, I'm not coming to it with the womb thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the mom and the woo-woo, <laughs> you know. Um, but I guess from a behavioural standpoint, um, one of the things that I think of whenever someone comes to me with this question is, is it interrupting their ability to learn? Is it interrupting their natural development? So is it is it becoming, I hate to say the word problem, right? But yeah. basically, is it becoming a problem? So, yeah. you know, because some of these behaviors, like you said, are expected, appropriate, and functional. And we, if, if they weren't happening, we'd be worried. Um, you know, it's not always good to have a child who never has a tantrum. It's not good to have a child who's never defiant. You actually, you want to see some of those things to know that the brain is functioning correctly. Yeah. And, okay, and that, cool. especially in those early years, like you said, the prefrontal cortex is not developed yet. So they literally don't have the skills to be able to rationalize and make good decisions so if they aren't experiencing turmoil tantrum anxiety in those early years um then yeah that is probably more of a concern than if they they are but you're right when it affects their ability to thrive that's when i start to go this is something that we, you need to we need to like dig away a little bit and work out yeah. what the underlying reason is. Yes, exactly. So rather than focusing on the anxiety itself or rather than focusing on the behavior that it's affecting itself, behavior is what we follow, but it's not what we actually try to change or control or manipulate. There's a lot of misconceptions around behavior. And I think that behavior is really a sign for us to follow to figure out what's going on behind it. What's the communication behind it? We have a really good question. So if your child is acting in a way unlike themselves, for example, they're more aggressive towards a sibling, could this be a sign of anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are lots of behaviors that are a byproduct of anxiety and absolutely um, aggression towards a sibling, 
is definitely one of the more common. So yeah, it could be, but there are a lot of factors that it, so it's it's kind of impossible for me to definitely answer the question, but it should, sure would. Um, survival mode, when we're in survival mode, we're experiencing the fight or flight response where we're, we're either going to get in there and like protect ourselves and save ourselves or we're going to run away <laughs> yeah. and avoid the situation and or go and hide or go and sit in the cupboard yeah. or just run away from the school. And then when yeah. it gets even worse than that, we start to shut down, um, which is the freeze response. Yes. But if they're in that aggressive stage, I would absolutely say that that is very, very commonly a response to anxiety. And you know what? It's not, it needs shaping and obviously it's not good for the sibling to be punched or whatever's going on there, but when they are actually expressing that anxiety or survival mode through their behaviours, they are actually releasing it. Yeah. So mm. as long as it's... Ha as long as it's not happening in a, obviously a crazy, violent, detrimental way, yeah. Um, yeah. it can be a, really pos a real positive. Children are very good at expressing their needs. Us adults, yeah. we might feel the same thing, but we analyse it and talk about it. And uh, we don't express it as much. But kids, yeah. if they're in their aggression, they're expressing it. So at least that's a really good thing. They're getting it out. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, I actually, I do a class that's called From Aggression to Affection. And one of the big things that we focus on is when your child is behaving aggressively towards another child, towards a younger, smaller child, or towards an adult. So there's many different aspects to aggression, different, you know, uh, different versions of aggression. Um, but I actually encourage parents not to remove them from the situation. I actually encourage them to help them, help them through it. And if you can, bite your tongue, <laughs> you know, uh, keep everyone safe. That's the priority. But if you can coach them and give them support and help them solve their own problems and figure out a compromise, so often our response to these types of behaviors is either, oh, my child is anxious, I need to get help. So it's panic, you know, and, and fear, which I actually want to talk about in just a second, because um, you have a really good quote around that. Um, but one of our other responses is getting them out of the situation, you know, removing them from the situation. Let's, let's put them in timeout as quickly as possible. Let's just end the fight as quickly as possible. When in reality, bumping heads and fighting and arguing and look, all of those things are, they're functional. They're, they're going to happen. I mean, I'm 35 and I still argue with my sisters who might be watching this video. <laughs> and they'll tell me, don't argue. You know, like we still have arguments. And that's, I guess my point is simply that there is a time when we need to, I think, take a step back and remember that so much of what we're seeing is the child's brain working through problems. And yes, it's hard to watch. And yes, it's loud and noisy. And yes, we do need to support them and keep everybody safe. So of course, tools and strategies are effective. But I still encourage people not to remove them from the situation. So I get a bit ranty about that. One of the wonderful quotes that I heard from you, I, I wrote it down actually because I really, really liked it. Is I'm pleased you wrote it down. Oh, so yeah, because yeah, <laughs> you're not going to remember. It. <laughs> you just you have so many good quotes, Allison. <laughs> um, but this, I, I just felt this really struck a chord with me, and it was saying fear of anxiety makes it worse can yeah. you can you please explain what that means to anyone yeah. who might not know yeah sometimes i call it anxiety anxiety 
And I get it because I experience anxiety and I think most of us would would resonate with this concept. It's when you are anxious about being anxious. Mm. And when we project that on our children, it's very, very, our children can very, very quickly also develop this sense of anxiety around being anxious. So let's just say your child um, is having trouble sleeping, won't sleep in their own bed, doesn't want to be left alone, doesn't want to be left at school, um, the separation, they're, they're anxious around this. As soon as we start to go, oh, we've got it, and we start trying to fix it and talking to them about it and we are expressing our own anxiety around this problem, we can very quickly project our anxiety onto the children and the children very quickly learn that, oh, I'm not meant to be feeling this way and then they start to feel anxious about their own anxiety. So it actually just adds layers. It, it's very easy to add layer and layer and layer of anxiety um, unnecessarily because the fear or being anxious about anxiety has no purpose. That's just something that we are laying on ourselves. It's a story we're telling ourselves. Like, but Alice, it's so much easier. <laughs> I know, and we very, very easily um, we project that onto the children. I think that's really something important for us to understand because it it's, it'll take a, a little while for us adults who are conditioned this way and this is how we respond and we do feel anxious about being anxious and we probably have our entire lives. So it takes a real understanding of what we're saying here, like we are projecting our anxiety onto our children in so many cases. I think it's really important to understand that, yes, Certain anxieties are a physiological response and they're completely to be expected. But when we layer fears and anxiety on top of it, we're doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And how often is it that when a child is experiencing anxiety that that it triggers that in us as well? So we just get reactive and it becomes like a cycle, I guess, is basically what you're saying is it becomes yeah. a downward, <laughs> downward cycle. Yeah. Um, yes. Off each other. And I've, I've seen this a lot and you can see it even in um, uh, like, what is it like relationships, like the grandparent, the parent, the grandchild, and, yeah. and just the constant, you can see it passing down and almost intensifying. Well, just think of any, any Christmas dinner, any Christmas day mm -hmm. in the family, there's always anxiety there. And yes. It's normal. Yeah. It's normal. Right. But that doesn't mean we, we have to accept it. We do have to accept a certain amount of anxiety, but not the layers we put on top of it. But like you yeah. said, look, I can vouch in my family. I'm autistic and my daughter's autistic. And we have a lot, we experience a lot of um, anxiety and dysregulation in lots of different ways. As soon as my daughter or any either of my children are in survival mode or flight or flight, fight or flight or they're getting heightened, I can just tell that things are elevating and they're going to, you know, going to, things are going to hit the fan pretty soon. I yeah. am back straight into survival mode myself because I know my own amygdala has gone, oh, my gosh, potential threat, potential meltdown, potential build-up happening, and I'm straight into that space myself. And I, I notice this all the time with parents and children. I, I, I believe it's almost impossible if your child is experiencing anxiety or expressing anxiety and you are there with them, I feel like it's almost impossible for you not to automatically go to that space as well. Yes. Yeah. Very difficult to be completely calm and relaxed 
when a yeah. child is um, kicking another child or about to whack them with a poker or, you know, danger. Yeah. So yes. you're straight in survival mode. And, and you know, this is not... This is this is a physiological thing. So it's there's nothing wrong with this. And what I'm trying to say is we are part of our human experience is to experience anxiety in these types types of things. It's it's what's kept survival of the fittest, it's what's kept humans alive. Um but we don't have to feel guilt and bad and fear and anxiety about feeling anxious. That's the one we, we do to ourselves. Yes. And that's probably the hardest one to change because understanding your child and supporting them, I think, is probably an innate draw in, in parents and in moms. Um, and I know that as an educator, I was a preschool teacher for seven years. And whenever I learned something new, I was like, oh, I can't wait to go use this with the class, you know. So I think that there's part of us that gets excited about supporting someone else. But when it's ourselves, when we've got to think about our own mindset and our own issues around anxiety and our own emotional triggers, then I actually think it becomes a lot harder. Um, and I think that's where some of the barriers come in that come between parent and child or teacher and classroom because the adult themselves is struggling with this. We got a really good question here. Um, let me scroll down to find it because I really thought, okay, um, what about anxiety? versus shyness where it prevents a child from participating in something that they enjoy um so i i saw the face you made and i'm kind of making the same one so 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 what are your thoughts about that kind of a comparison is that okay. really anxiety well it, it could be so here's the thing let's think of it as two separate there mm -hmm. is shyness which is a very valid which can be a very valid special beautiful um positive part Ooh. of the person's personality um, and often when we see our children being shy even if they've been really outgoing and then all of a sudden they're going through a shy stage that might not necessarily be an issue they might just be experimenting with that or um, going through something internally or developmentally that's taking up their energy and all of a sudden they don't have the energy to interact and so they're coming back into themselves that can be completely normal age appropriate fine and even if we can see that that means they are avoiding things that usually they love, um, because, you know, I love going out. I love going to the party. But every now and then I'm like, mm, just not feeling it. And that's okay. But when it's our children, they can't explain that to us. And so we automatically go, oh, something's up. Um, it's so them going through stages of being shy or just being a shy child can be absolutely valid and wonderful, a wonderful thing about them and it can be age appropriate. If they are, if it is anxiety, I would say that there would also be a level of physiological stuff going on that you might notice. As a parent, you might notice their breathing going, you know, that just short, shallow chest breathing. You yes. might notice tension in their posture. Yeah. You might notice that they are breathing fast. Um, you might notice in their communication that they can't get their words out or they're getting really frustrated in other areas because they can't think straight. Um, so if it's just shyness or introversion or pulling back, that could be just, just that. If you are also noticing physiological signs along with it, that's when you might be going, oh, this could, this could be anxiety. 
Yes, I love that. I think everyone should write that down. Look for physiological <laughs> signs before you <laughs> panic, <laughs> you know, before you get anxious. <laughs> Whatever, don't get anxious about being anxious. <laughs> that's an impossible standard. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, that's that is so cool. That is so helpful. And what a beautiful way to break it down and to really simplify what we're looking for when it comes to anxiety. So I'm making a mental note to to share that with some of my families. I have a really good question from Brana, and she says she has a question for Allison. Um, what is the best way to deal with an almost four-year-old who's trying to be the alpha, screaming stuff like, I'm the boss, and having full-blown meltdown while you are seeing red? What to do in the moment to diffuse the situation? Okay. <laughs> this is big. This is a big, okay, so. I don't know if you're going to like my answer here, <laughs> but <laughs> if your child actually is having actual meltdowns, I really believe that there's not a lot you can do in the moment. I would say if there is a meltdown happening, number one, remove the trigger. If there is a trigger and there often isn't, but just say the trigger is loud noise or the lights or something unexpected or too many people. If you if there is a trigger that you are aware of and you can remove that, do so. And then also make sure your child and you or anyone else there is safe. If you can do that, then I believe they are really all you can do that's helpful during a meltdown. And I can tell you as someone who has meltdowns um, that – when someone tries to assist you, even when it's my husband, who is my person, you know, if anyone was to come and hug me or help me or intervene or talk to me during a meltdown, it would be him. Oh, my gosh, it doesn't help. So if your child is experiencing a true meltdown, then they can't think, they can't listen to you, um, and their brain is telling you, danger, 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 and then someone's trying to talk to you and you're just like, you can't respond because you're in meltdown, but it doesn't help. And so, can I just add, sorry, I just yeah. want to clarify something for all of our viewers that there's a difference between a tantrum and a meltdown. Yeah. Um, and what Allison is referring to as a meltdown, correct me if I'm wrong, Allison, um, but just for in case in case a viewer doesn't know the difference, with a meltdown, it's, okay, we'll start with the tantrum. A tantrum is a functional behavior, right? So for example, let's say that it's because they want a toy and you say no. So now they're screaming at the shop. But as soon as you go, okay, let's go get the toy. The tantrum will gently diffuse. It'll gradually diffuse. That's yeah. a tantrum. So it's functional. There's a function. There's a motivation behind it. A meltdown's not the same. A meltdown, it might start functional, but it becomes just so overwhelming that they cannot regain, they cannot come back from it. So you can give them the toy all you want and they're still not able to regulate. So you might find that they throw the toy at you. <laughs> you know, um, it just continues to build. Um, so they are very different things. And Allison, am I explaining that? Perfectly. Okay. Perfectly. And a meltdown will often go, a meltdown can go for a long time. Like, two hours sometimes you'll find a child might actually fall asleep pass out literally during a meltdown because it is very exhausting and then wake up but they are still in the meltdown and the moment they wake up they're screaming and kicking and, and all of those things again and they usually um 
it's the body's way of releasing all the pent-up anxiety. So it can go for a long time. Um, but you're right, a tantrum often it has a purpose and it's a co often a conscious, cognitive, very clever way of, of using a behaviour for a, a reason. Yes. Um, yeah. So if your child is having a meltdown or a tantrum, look, also I'd like to say I feel like tantrums get a bit of a bad rap. We're all about meltdowns. We talk about meltdowns a lot and we, we talk about meltdowns and we seem to have this understanding that, oh, he's having a meltdown, he can't help it. But then when it comes to tantrums, we're like, you're doing this on purpose and we feel like tantrums are just that behaviour. But tantrums are also a physiological thing. It's it's this, especially for a almost four-year-old, so he still is just developing his uh, prefrontal cortex and he's still working on developing emotional regulation. I'm sure he's feeling anxiety if he's a boy. I think at four is when they get this big testosterone, which puts everything in their brain into disarray. And so everything is new. They're all of a sudden having, if you say alpha male, they're all of a sudden with this four-year-old testosterone surge, they are having like powerful, like <laughs> manly, you know, alpha male things going on for them. So I would say that developmentally, this this is probably all completely on track and he's exactly how yeah. it's book, mm. how it to be. Um, but... Not intervening in the moment is the important thing. I tend to talk about the management stage, which is is managing the daily lifestyle every day when things are going fine and when everything's normal every day, just having having things in our lifestyle that help manage anxiety so that when it gets to the point where he's at boiling point or things are escalating and he can't stop himself and all of a sudden he's tantruming or meltdowning, um, that he... He's, he's less heightened to begin with, if that makes sense. Yeah. If he's at, yes. at ground zero, then mm. it takes a while to escalate into a meltdown. But if he's already just bit by bit by bit every day, just getting a little bit more of anxiety, more anxiety, more anxiety, and he's already up here, that meltdown's going to happen a lot quicker. Yes. So, and, yeah, yeah. go ahead, sorry. No, 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 I was just going to say, so in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> nutshell. <laughs> intervening every day as part of your lifestyle just adding little little tiny ways of managing anxiety because anxiety is like a cup every little bit that goes in that's tense or unpredictable or unexpected or too noisy or too difficult all of those things just fill up the cup and when the cup overflows that's when the anxiety overflows so everything that you can do in your day-to-day -day life that reduces the amount of little things that go in the cup keep your children and yourself from that boiling over point Yes. So it's a daily management lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. That's it. It's a lifestyle. I love that. And I saw this in the comments earlier, someone asking about calming techniques. And essentially, this, this is it. Um, so what I do with all of my coaching clients is we look at three angles, right? So three angles of behavior. Because behavior is so broad and it's so fluid and it changes so quickly and kids adapt so quickly and the behavior evolves right in front of you, <laughs> which is why sometimes it can be so overwhelming. It might start with one function and then boom, it's something else like five seconds later. So, so you know, the brain is smart and kids adapt really quickly and brain adapt, um, behavior adapts. So what we do is with all of my coaching clients, and I, I really want to share this with you, Allison, because I feel like this goes hand in hand with what you're saying. Um, one of the things that we do is we look at the three angles. So the first one is the antecedent approach. So which is basically what you're talking about. The antecedent is the day to day. 
What are you doing before the challenges arise, before your child is showing signs of anxiety, before those emotional triggers are kicking in or those stressors are hitting the brain and the, the expectations are being interrupted? Before that happens, how are you preparing them for the storm? <laughs> and, and that's the antecedent approach. And that's probably like 75% of what I teach, 75 to 80% of what I teach is the day-to-day -day stuff. And then we look at what to do in the moment. And, and which, which Allison, you've already kind of answered is, you know, first off, there's not much you can do, so remain calm. That's the yeah. number one thing is if we become anxious over their behavior, then it just escalates. It escalates in both of us. If we become emotionally reactive to their behavior, then it escalates. So I guess the way that I try to think about it and the way that I teach it as well is that there's two ways that it can go. So once we're experiencing an emotional stressor, in this case, their behavior, you know, tantrums, defiance, disobedience, aggression, you know, nagging, all of those things, fighting amongst each other, all of those things that get those big emotional arousals out of us, there's two ways it can go. It can go to the red, which means that it's reactive. It's um, screaming, it's bribing them, it's nagging, it's threatening, you know, get out of here, you know, go to your room. <laughs> you know, it's, it's putting them in timeout. It's just getting desperate. You get yeah. desperate and you do anything you can to control the behavior that you're seeing, right? So that's kind of the red zone, I guess. But then over here, you got the green zone or the blue zone, depending on what colors you like, um, where it's a bit more of, you know, I've remained calm. That's the first big thing is I've regulated my own emotional reaction. And now I've related to them. I think of the three R's of the blue zone. So it's first you regulate your own emotions, then you relate to them. You know, when is a time that you have felt frustrated, that you have felt unheard, voiceless, hopeless, because that is essentially that's the message behind these challenging behaviors is your child is not able to communicate them to you. So what you're getting is kicked in the face. But in reality, they're saying, don't I matter to you? And you can spend all day sitting on the floor with your child going, you matter, you matter. <laughs> and they're still going to kick you in the face saying, do I matter? You know? So it's not about that. It's not always about how strong is your connection with your child. There's so much more. There's how empowered are they feeling? Do they feel like they are part of the everyday to day decisions? Are they part of the rule making of the house? Even though they're really young, we want to be stimulating their brain in a way where they feel empowered. But then we also want to be, and I call this encouragement, where we just simplify things. We keep things simple. So if your child is having a hard time, let's say it's getting in the car and now they're throwing things and they're breaking things and you just can't getting in the car is so doggone hard and <laughs> just something so simple, but it's so hard. So what I try to do is simplify the process. So rather than focusing on get in the car right now or I'm leaving you at home, right? That's that's what we all say is, <laughs> that's what we all say. We don't mean it, but we say it. <laughs> I like to think of it as like a step-by-step process. You know, first let's get your shoes. What color shoes are you going to wear today? Then let's, you know, let's get your hat. You know, oh, what do you put on your head? Oh, that's right. Your hat. You know, just simplify the process into step by step. And so, so that's just a quick, if your child is dealing with any of these things and you're kind of like, what do I do? Um, that's the way that I try to break it down is relating to them. And then at that point, can we actually start to use techniques, but yeah. we've got to remain calm. So we go towards that green or blue zone. Yeah. Can anyway, I, add, I just wanted to expand a bit. Can I add something tiny to that? Please. Um, <laughs> I a lot about this getting ready to get out the door in the morning and it's so hard. And I think we can all relate to that. Um, that so okay, this is this is what I think of as 
as time space switching. When we when we're like, we've only got five minutes to get out the door. Rah! We're thinking about time which is very limited. So we have limited capacity to get this done. So we're getting anxious and we're getting angry and we're screaming. And then that starts the tone for our day. But if we think of it as space, not time, because time literally doesn't exist. It's just a thing that we made up to be organized. Um, space, if we have five minutes of space to get out the door, we automatically switch our mind frame. We start creating an environment that is conducive to getting out the door. And that happens quite automatically when we just switch the word time for space. So we only have five minutes. That That is always limiting and it's always stressful. But when you think of I have five minutes of space to get out the door, we automatically, our first thing always is, right, I have to create calm. And we, we know how to create calm. We just can't do it when we're dysregulated ourselves. But if we are clear on we've got five minutes of space, our first thought is always, oh, got to create calm. If I want to get out the door in five minutes, we need a calm environment for this to happen in. And that, that helps so much. That helps <laughs> Helped me a lot. Love it. I love it. I'm gonna write it on my fridge. <laughs> write it on paper and stick it on the fridge. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. Um, okay, so we are getting so many questions in here, but I do want to make sure that we get to the questions that were shared before. We only have 15 minutes left, everyone. So just so you know, um, because I don't want to keep Allison too late. She's had a big day, so I don't want to be keeping her for too long. I'm just so grateful for you being so generous with your time tonight. Um, okay, all right. So one of the questions we've got. Sorry. All right. So this is from Haley. Can anxiety or meltdowns and perfectionism go hand in hand, such as refusing to try something and getting worked up over it if um, when they don't want it to go wrong? So basically, I don't want to make yeah. a mistake, so I'm just not going to do it. Do you think that extreme perfectionism and anxiety might go hand in hand? I think there can be two different things there. The not wanting to try it because it might be go wrong could be about perfectionism, but also it could really be about something new, something unpredictable, something your brain hasn't done before. One of the things we've learned about brains in the last decade, we've learned a lot about the brains in the last decade, one of them is that the brain works by predicting. So it doesn't learn stuff, it doesn't know stuff, it predicts stuff. So if, if your child is doing an activity they've done every day, or, and I'm a music therapist, so I, when I do music groups with kids, I sing the same songs over and over and over and over. And you'll find that your child likes the same book. We all know where that green sheep is hiding. Like we all know it. And you, your child knows it, but still they want to read where is the green sheep. And this is because it's predictable. They know the answer. So the brain doesn't have to be working hard to think, to evaluate, to go, oh, how's this going to, I'm not sure if I'm, what if I don't like it? We know how it's going to make us feel. So sometimes not trying something new can just be about um, hesitant to, to step in to something unexpected. And that is a completely viable, absolutely age-appropriate, and not just for little ones, for adults as well. So that can be a really valid thing. And I would say just support your child as they move through the stage into trying new things, but don't worry too much about intervening there because that's just a really normal experience. Um, but then there is extreme perfectionism, which is another thing. Um, and I would say that that is related to anxiety when it becomes really about perfectionism. And mm -hmm. again, use your instinct. Ask your womb. <laughs> like, yeah, what yeah. 
this is the normal, um, not really sure what to try, whether to step into something new or is this an absolute um, perfectionism-based behaviour? And then you, I would say you're definitely probably looking at anxiety. And, again, it's not about the behaviour. It's not about the perfectionism. Don't worry about the perfectionism. Don't worry about them not trying the new thing. Just think about anxiety management. It's The behaviour is always the byproduct of what's actually going on. It's always it's it's always the symptom. And we don't treat we treat the cause. So don't worry about perfectionism. Don't worry about them not trying the new thing. But if you do believe that that is an anxiety-based behavior, then start managing anxiety. You're right. And is this is this another is there is this another area where we would be looking for those physiological signs as well? Yeah. Okay. I would always yeah. be looking for physiological signs. It's once you start especially the tension and the posture um, and the, yes. the heart rate. I mean, you can see it. Yeah, look for those things. All right, so I'm going to do two more questions and then mm -hmm. we will draw our winner from the week. Um, and then um, you can share the freebie that is in the description, by the way. Um, so I guess right. it's not much of a surprise, but still, you can announce it. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a wonderful question from Jody. Um, my 12 year old has issues asking for help, um, ACA fear of failure, but so this is very close to what we were just talking about. But what I liked about the question was she incorporates school into it. So, but it's starting to affect his schoolwork, mm -hmm. how to help him advocate for himself more at school. Mm. I would say. Advocating for yourself is a very difficult thing to do, even for adults. I struggle to advocate for myself. I struggle to advocate for my children. And there is no higher motivation than for a parent to, to voice and, you know, use their voice to stand up for themselves, for their children. So then imagine how difficult that must be for a child. So to a certain, to a certain level there, I would say, don't fixate on it. Don't worry too much about it. It could just be him developing that skill. I would also say that language is something in the brain that takes a lot of energy. And there is only, like, most functions happen in both hemispheres, but speaking just comes from the left hemisphere. There's two tiny spots. One of those tiny spots is in charge of your ability to speak, and the other spot is in charge of your ability to understand language and know which words go with what and what they mean. And because they are two tiny little spots that have the biggest function, um, speaking can be very difficult. If we are tired, if we're fatigued, if we're neurodivergent, so anyone who's autistic, um, has ADHD or OCD or Tourette's or anything that automatically makes uh, specific functions more difficult, um, if we are not eating right, if we are there's emotional stuff going on at home, if there's anything that is using up our energy, then language, especially using your voice, can be a very difficult function. Um, so I would say don't focus on him not being able to ask for help, but again, go, okay, what's going on in the brain that is making it difficult for him to use his voice? And then yeah. always, it's always back to anxiety management because if there's anything that the brain isn't coping with, basically you support the brain. I talk all the time about brain care. And so I talk about supporting the brain to function at its best. So 
the outcome might be for him that he's not asking for help at school and it's affecting his schoolwork. I would say, don't worry about the schoolwork. Don't worry about the not asking for help. That's the byproduct of the issue. Be now supporting his brain to function at its best. So that's anxiety management stuff. Once again, it all comes yeah. back to brain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I want to go on, <laughs> but I've got one more question to ask you because we're running out of time. And guys, I I'm to see so many questions in the comments. I wish we could get to all of them. And I can come back to the group later and be answering questions if you want. Girl, and yes. <laughs> yeah, Allison, look at that. Uh, that would be wonderful because there's just way too many questions for us to get to, but that just shows me um, that, that you are loved. No, <laughs> it shows me that this is a very important conversation to be having. This is a very um, important yeah. topic to be discussing. And oh, I think well, that this is great place to start for Simply Kids Unplugged. You know what I mean? Like such a great gritty conversation to be having. Yeah. I could talk about this at the moment because I know you've got an agenda, but yeah, it's a very important conversation. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, so this is my last question for you because I feel like, again, this really answers a lot of other questions that we're receiving tonight. I'm trying to choose the broadest questions um, yeah. so it benefits as many people as possible with the limited time that we have. Um, but Everyone who's watching, please make sure you go follow Allison, especially on Instagram. Her IGTV channel is amazing. Um, so if you want to have your mind blown, um, I feel like every every video you share, every post that you share is like this, it's like this image into your world and into your life and how you experience the world. And it is genuinely beautiful. There's something very Every time I'm on your page, it's just, it's very therapeutic. It's almost poetic um, watching your videos and learning from you. So I, I highly recommend that you guys check her out. Go follow her. Allison, follow yourself. <laughs> You'll love yourself. Yes, <laughs> you are. Anxiety discussion all day long. I, I can talk about anxiety all day long because it is yeah. the absolute number one thing that is nailing us that we have so much control over, but we're so scared of it. We don't know where to do that. We can manage anxiety. We can manage anxiety. And yeah, let's talk more about that later. <laughs> I know. I, you, we've got to have you back for a part two because yeah, we haven't even gotten into our style of living, our lifestyle, yeah. and how that evokes anxiety in children and adults but hang on don't, don't say anything it's gonna go crazy let me get my last question out and then we'll announce our winner our last question is from amy because i felt like she had a very well-rounded question like i said so um hey steph i'd like to know strategies to help lucas her son with in school and activities he seems to struggle with anxiety and freeze or meltdown when pushed into these things for example, starting school this year has really challenged him. So I'm seeing in the comments a lot around school. Um, so maybe because it is in Australia, it's the beginning of the year and kids are still settling in. They're probably a month into school now, maybe less. Um, so I can understand that this would be a really big concern for a lot of families. So do you have, in a nutshell, girl, <laughs> as quickly as possible, I know it's hard. If you can just yeah. give us a few quick tips for starting school and transitioning into a new classroom and things like that. Yeah. Firstly, I want to say that in this modern rush lifestyle where schools are very unpredictable, hectic, filled with sensory information, it is absolutely normal and, and typical that your child is experiencing anxiety. 
in relation to going back to school, okay? Yeah. It doesn't mean that the school's a problem. It doesn't mean that the kids are a problem or the teacher. It doesn't mean that there's an actual problem. It's just that physiologically our brains were never designed to cope with the type of environments we live in now. So throughout the whole of human history, our brain has had to just function at a very basic level where we haven't been in spaces where they are filled with stuff and they are filled with noise and screens and artificial lights and flashing things and movings and batteries and power things with electric lights. Like it's only been in the last, let's say, 100 years that our brain has had to deal with any of that and so our brains literally haven't evolved to the point where they can really process all the sensory information, make sense of all the noise and all the expectations put on us. And there are so many more choices now than children have ever had before. So children are, experienced, are experiencing decision fatigue and that's a real thing and we're experiencing it too. So what I want to say firstly is that it's to be expected and don't let, don't, fall into the trap of being anxious about the anxiety um, because it is simply a result of this rushed modern lifestyle that we live in as to why children are experiencing anxiety. It's not the trigger. It's not the school's fault. The trigger is never the problem. It's the fact that the brain's not coping. Um, so what I would come back to always is daily lifestyle anxiety management techniques and I focus really a lot in my own life and I I really recommend everyone does this on sensory minimization a lot of children have specific sensory needs where they need extra sensory information in in different for different sensory systems but I would say across the board we are experiencing sensory overload we are all experiencing sensory overload and now in our brain the sensory cup it's also like a cup so every little bit of noise, everything that we see, everything that's happening sensorily is filling our cup and then the anxiety is the result. If you can reduce the amount of things in your lifestyle, reduce the amount of decisions in your lifestyle, pull back on how you ask your child what they'd like, just give them a couple of options instead of just letting them choose from a whole plethora of, you know, 20,000 Netflix channels or whatever it might be. There are so many things in our day-to-day -day lifestyles that, involve making decisions from large quantities of options um, if you can pull back on those things um, on your child's behalf you are reducing the cup in their brain so it's not so full so when they step into a classroom and it's unpredictable and there's people running around and they don't know who's going to be there and it's noisy and there's, there's displays hanging from the roof um, those things aren't going to have such an impact. They still will have an impact, but their their sensory cup isn't going to be as full. So they might just get through the day without experiencing the anxiety. And if they do get home from school and the anxiety comes out then, that is completely to be expected as well because their cup's been filling up all day long and when mm. they come home, they need to express that emotion and get it out. Yes. So as much, as much as difficult as that is for, our, for us as parents, to experience that after-school meltdown or after-school tantrum, know that it's happening for a purpose, it's serving a purpose, it's keeping them healthy, it's avoiding that pent-up emotion inside them, it's coming out and just... I'm just going to wait a second. Is everyone able to see and hear me okay? Because I can see that Allison is frozen. 
If you guys can just let me know, just comment if you're able to see me or not, so I know if I can keep going. Oh, Alice. <laughs> Allison just said um, that her computer has died. So let me know if you guys are able to see me, please. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Um, I'm just going to wait maybe a couple more seconds and see if someone can comment and let me know that they can see me all right. Okay, great. Okay, so we've got a couple yeses. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Um, okay, so unfortunately, Allison's computer has gone. But thank goodness it's 9 o'clock. So we were going to be wrapping it up anyway. Um, guys, thank you so much for making this very first episode of Simply Kids Unplugged such a success. Um, your guys' questions and being proactive um, has been just wonderful. It makes my job easier because you guys give me questions to give her, so it's great. Um, I think that she's trying to hop back on. So if you find this information helpful, if you are like, I wanna learn more about strategies and techniques that I can use, then Hey, welcome back. Um, then please check out Allison's webinar. Um, so Allison's free gift to our community. See, I got to say it now because you ain't here. <laughs> um, Allison is gifting us for 48 hours. So get in there. Um, her webinar called Anxiety. And the, uh, the website address is in the description. It is allisondavies.com.au slash anxiety. Click on the link and that will take you into the payment section. Simply put in the coupon code, simply kids, no spaces, no capitalization. And you can get access to that for free for 48 hours only. So definitely go check that out. If you found this to be as exciting and intriguing as I did, then you're going to want to learn more from her because in her webinar, she not only breaks down what's happening in the brain really clearly, really beautifully. So it's easy to understand and digest. Thank you. Allison. Um, but on top of that, she gives you really simple practical strategies that you can start applying in your day-to-day -day in order to help your child before the anxiety kicks in, which is what we were talking about. It's more of a lifestyle than it is waiting. We don't wait for the anxiety to happen and then go, oh, what do I do now, right? Instead, we just create a lifestyle that's more conducive to supporting your child. So you know your child better than anybody else, um, which is what Allison was saying as well. Thank you, that was brilliant. Um, so remember to use those instincts and that, that can guide you, allow that to guide you. And if you feel like, well, I really don't know, I really don't know the answer to this, then the webinar will definitely help you with that. So please go check that out. Like I said, it's free right now. So. I think that a lot of people could really benefit from that. So thank you so much, Allison. Do you because you got cut off? Do you have any final thoughts um, that you want to share before I say goodbye? Can you hear me? Can you see me now? Yeah. Yeah. I've been ignoring you. Oh my gosh. Hey, I don't know. This is what happens when you live in the middle of Tasmania in the bush. Our yeah. internet service does this sometimes. I'm so sorry that happened, but luckily it was right at the end. Um, I just, you know, if there were one overriding message that sums up the things we've talked about, really it's allow yourself not to get fixated on the anxiety. Anxiety is an absolutely valid physiological response that we all experience. Children experience it as part of the development. It's how they development. It's how they develop. It's normal. It's okay. Um, it's when it affects their ability to thrive 
that it becomes an issue. But if you can just uh, avoid the fear and the fixation on it, that is going to help everybody. Easier said than done, I know. Um, but there's that. And also, if you are noticing a particular behaviour that you're worried about, move back from the behavior the behavior is always the byproduct of the actual problem and i would say that almost anything that's going on inside the brain that it can't cope with can be managed by anxiety management yes. so it's just like you can't go wrong with having a lifestyle that includes lots of tiny little bits of anxiety management and like you said stephanie the, the webinar will give you lots of ideas so Please come and find me and talk to me on my page, which is Alison Davies Brain Care Specialist on Facebook. Um, find me. I've got I've got a course, Brains Equal Behaviors, um, that I run twice um, a year, and we focus on managing anxiety and anger and meltdown, sensory overload, hyperactivity. Um, we talk about executive function. All this stuff that we've talked about today, in, we go into it in depth over the course of ten weeks. So. You know, if this resonates and you want a deeper insight yes. into it all, you, you can find lots of resources on my page. Even I'm signed up, guys. So definitely check it out. I can't wait. Uh, I just I love the way that Allison just simplifies things and breaks down things, and she always gives she always gives me a point of view that I haven't considered yet. And I think that's because we come from very different sides of the spectrum when we're looking at these behavioral issues. You know, um, I come to it from a behavioral standpoint. You know, from my my background as a special needs therapist. That's that's where I come into this. Um, Whereas she comes into it, you know, as a mom, someone who is living it every day, someone who you know, it's just it's just fascinating to hear her perspective and her point of view. So I always feel like I can learn something new in our conversation. So thank you so much, Allison. So I do want to do our giveaway. So we do have a giveaway. And before I do that, um, I've done a pitch for Allison. I'm going to do a pitch for me as well. So anyone who feels like, wow, that was amazing. I just really want something I can hold in my hands, something with concrete strategies. Check out my new book because it has over 200 activities and conversation starters for a growth mindset. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is encompassed throughout the book. So it's very, anyway, enough about that. Um, all right, so we're gonna pick our winner from the choices, and the winner is gonna get a free ebook from my website. So all they have to do, I'm not looking, I, I was looking and then I stopped looking, so I'm not gonna look, so I'm not gonna cheat. Um, but basically go to simplykids.live slash shop and you can choose any ebook. All right, so I've picked a name and I haven't looked yet. Hopefully it's one I can read. All right, so our winner tonight for a free ebook, thank you so much for watching Simply Kids Unplugged, is Sherry Saltzer. So I will be in touch with you, Sherry. I will also tag you in the comments. Hopefully you were able to join us tonight. Um, so thank you again, everyone. Oh my gosh, Allison, I just cannot thank you enough for just starting this off on such a great foot. My pleasure. Sorry for dropping out on you, but let's do this again to make up for that so we can finish the conversation. Yes, yes I would love to have a part two. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. All right. So Allison and I will be going through the comments and we'll be answering a few things here and there. It might not be tonight because we're both tired, but over the next 24 hours, both of us will be hopping in and out of the group. Thank you so much, Allison, for that, by the way. Um, yeah, so we'll see you next time. Thank you again, Allison. And thank you everyone for joining me for my very first episode of Simply Kids Unplugged. And I can't wait. Our next chat is going to be with a business owner balancing business and motherhood. It's going to be incredible. All right.
I'll see you guys next time. Have a wonderful Bye. night, everyone. Bye.